granddaughters. It's my granddaughters in my hand. That's the picture on this. It's my medicine. It says that we love you, Grandpa. So when you say something to me that triggers me, I get to look at my granddaughters and go, what'd you say? I'm sorry, I missed that. Got to bring our medicine with us wherever we go. So I had to stop sniffing glue, so I got a cup with my granddaughter's <laughs> picture on it. It just works better that way. All right, welcome. I'm just kidding. I'm not endorsing sniffing glue, by the way. Oh, okay. Never have done it. <laughs> Never been interested in it. But I know people that have, and they have inspired me not to do it, is all I can say. Many of our teachers model for us what we don't want to do, so I'm grateful for that. So I brought the, uh, the gong with me today, and I got to line it up. It's been in my office for a while, moving around. And, and um, so if you know the drill, if you're here for the first time, I sound the gong, we drop into 30 seconds of silence. And the reason we do that is we're, we're creating a container here. This is a, an opportunity to create an energetic field. We are connected. And the, our capacity to connect energetically with one another and in consciousness is really important. And so rather than have the environment dictate what we are, we decide what we are. We take dominion over it and we direct it, guide it. And so I'm going to sound the, the gong. I'm going to let you just drop whatever you're holding, whatever you're trying to fix. Perhaps work with the question, what's here now if there's nothing to fix? And then we will do a song in this very room. As many of you know it and Appreciate your help on it today. And uh, if you don't know it, just let it be the soundtrack of your, your silence. And then I'll move into an affirmative prayer or a prayer treatment. Okay. Let's love ourselves. In this very room, there's quite enough love for all the world. And in this very room, there's quite enough joy for all the world. And there's quite enough love and quite enough power to walk through our every fear. For spirit, one spirit is in this very room, in this very room, in this very room. So I invite you to know with me, as I speak in the first person, that there is an energetic, there's a unified field and I enter that unified field when I'm in coherence when all of my energy centers all of my energy banks are lined up and so how do I do that well I say yes to that idea everything communicating all of the subtle bodies within my physical being my spiritual body at the soul level 
communicating and moving in and through and as who and what I am. So there's a power seeking expression. There is a joy seeking expression. There's a creativity seeking expression. There's a goodness seeking expression. These are the qualities that identify this energetic field that for centuries people have called God or Emmanuel or the Buddha head, whatever it may be. It doesn't matter what the designator is. What's important is the designator that you decide. And you decide in this moment to enter into that unified field or not. It is in the twinkling of an eye, as it says in Scripture. So putting down everything and asking yourself the question, what is here now with no problems to solve? And living in that open-ended question and allowing this infinite divine intelligence and genius to move in and through and as you like never before, knowing that your consciousness is perfect just as it is, and to give it life, and to let it emerge in the grace and the freedom and the joy. As Dr. Ernest Holmes said, the science of mind is a tradition of freedom that we have learned enough through suffering, through punishing others and ourselves, through war, through anger and frustration, through judgment. Let us move into the wisdom of discernment and to understand with great clarity, with great insight and wisdom why we have manifested here and now. What is this about, this life, with its ups and downs, hills and valleys, ins and outs? What? Why? And so I'm grateful to know that this day, insight, awareness, clarity, grace, beauty, and this experience of the truth of being is fully available here and now. That you are here by divine right appointment, that something powerful, beautiful, wonderful is happening. And all it requires for you and I to have this experience is to say yes and open us open ourselves to that, that it is more readily available in the power of the swarm of love which we represent. So in great gratitude and appreciation, knowing that we continue to deepen with each breath this day, we continue to open in the grace and beauty and possibility and reveal the truth of our being in greater ways and to be willing to be uncomfortable as we give birth, as we hospice, which is no longer necessary for us, and midwife, that which is seeking expression to give birth. This is the creative process within the individual. This is the creative process within, within ourselves and in life. And so we are here by divine right appointment to master this, to live it, to be it, and to share and model it for others. For this I give thanks and invite you to say with me. And so it is. Amazing, amazing, you will do amazing things. You have done amazing things. You have done amazing, amazing things. So this is a new day. This is the only moment we have, this present moment. Are you ready for the newness? Because most people are for transformation. How many people here would love to be transformed in some new way? Just about everybody's got their hand. Awesome. But how many would like to be inconvenienced? Because <laughs> you can't have one without the other. Stuff's got to go so other stuff can show in, so, or can, can move in and, and be who we are. And, and one of the challenges, I have a lot of resources that I draw from, and I love all of this stuff. I love the, I, I mean, there's many, many things that, that, that there's ancient wisdom that we live in, we're immersed in, and it's available to us. That's part of the abundance of life. You know that the internet is actually, the internet at its finest is actually an example of our, 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 our system, our physical system, our spiritual system of connection. And it, it, so what's happening with the internet is that it, it's mirroring what we are, this instantaneous light connection within our physical beings and connection to one another. 
It's just as above, so below is what it's out picturing. Now, people abuse it. People do horrific things with it. I'm not denying that. And, and, and so why is that? Because we're in a particular realm. This parti- there, there are heavenly realms. Jesus said there are many mansions in my Father's house. There are many realms. And Dr. Holmes wrote about it extensively. Dr. Holmes wrote about the, the, the heavenly realm, the divine realm, the realm of the higher self. That's, the whole book is about that. But what happens is we're also in this animal kingdom. We're in the kingdom of the animal. We're in the kingdom of the heavenly. And what happens for many people is they live primarily from the animal kingdom. It's about survival. It's about competition. It's about, you know, everything that, that passes their field of vision is, is in some way uh, there so that it can be exploited. Anybody ever run into anybody like that? You know, we're like the gazelles wa- dancing across the African tundra and the lion is coming for us, you know? But the point is, is that we're in this realm and it's a roller coaster. If you ever notice that, you say, hey, I'm going to be spiritual. I'm going to go to the Center for Spiritual Living, and they've got this great class there. It's 10 weeks. Yeah, I will be totally transformed. Everything, every era of my life, it'll be all resolved. And then about week seven, you're like, oh, my God, nothing's changed yet. What the hell is going on here? But things are changing. Things are shifting. But the, the fallacy is we, we've spent a lifetime thinking a certain way and then think we're going to unravel it within seven or eight weeks or six weeks or, or a year. That was my frustration when I came to this teaching was, you know, I want it fixed now because I'm got i busy getting stuff done. I got news for you. I'm still on the journey. There's no quick fix. So I say to people, I, I don't have a quick fix for you, but I have a way of life. And so one of the things that's emerging within our community, one of the things that's been part of my journey is I've looked at, at, at so you know, we, we've, we've promoted the Q process. We will continue to promote the Q process because it's a new way of being with ourselves, first and foremost. And so um, this week I was reminded of this beautiful quote of why this is important. So you want to know why I'm here? I think we're here to transform lives. We're here to transform consciousness. And all of the other things around it we can ask ourselves then, is this assisting us in transporting consciousness? Is this, a, is this a, a measure of a way of being that will transform consciousness? And if it isn't, then we just simply know, well, that's something we're not going to give energy to. But the reason at the end of the day is, I think, a higher calling. And I want to share with you from Robert Johnson's book. First, before I go there, does anybody need to... We have offered, we brought on all these notebooks because we want you to be able to have a place to record. We've put tables out, so we had these tables almost filled at the first service. This place was packed at the first service. It was almost standing room only. It was sitting room only at the first service today. But we have notebooks here. We're selling them for $2 a piece. And if you don't have a toonie today, you can bring it. It's the honor system. But if you don't have something to write down, I'm going to let you come on up. And, and I think you need one in every color. There's pink. There's lovely blue. There's camouflage in case you're going hunting. Danny Bonko goes hunting once a year. You'd like a camouflage one to sit in the blind and wait for those helpless little moose and deer to come by. And <clears throat> anyway, all right. So it's there if you feel so inclined. But don't come up to me in the line and go, what was that one thing you said? People always say, what's that one thing you said? That was 20 minutes ago. Are you kidding? Anyway, here we are. So first service is back to the basics. And this service, we're doing Transforming Life Through the Power of Vision, Goals, and Dreams. We're using the book five. Where will you be five years from now? Today, I want to talk about building your success strategy. But I want to talk about the foundational piece of why we're doing the things that we're doing here. Why we're offering the Q process. Why we did the spirit group training. We had a phenomenal turnout from that. Beautiful. There you go. 
People coming up to get notebooks. Awesome. We love it. We are a learning culture. We're here to learn. I love, I love my job because I get to keep reading and learning. I, wouldn't, I wish I'd, I'd been this good a student in school, but then I wouldn't be here with you because the stuff they were teaching I wasn't interested in. I was interested in other things. And, 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 and the divine plan for me was brought me here. And there's no place I'd rather be than right here with you. All right, beautiful. But anyway, Robert Johnson wrote this little book called, he's a psychologist, Owning Your Own Shadow, Understanding the Dark Side of the Psyche. And this, this gives me juice, man. This is what keeps me in the game. He says, the tendency to see one shadow out there in one's neighbor or in another race or culture is the most dangerous aspect of the modern psyche. Most dangerous aspect of the modern psyche. He says, it has created two devastating wars in this century and threatens the destruction of all the fine achievements of our modern world. We all decry war, but collectively we move towards it. Dr. Holmes called it race consciousness. We move forward collectively. It's not the monsters of the world who make such chaos, but the collective shadow to which every one of us has contributed. So the jig is up, as far as I'm concerned. And the Q process is a way for you to have a practice in your life where you can look at your triggers and start to bring ownership to the things you don't like about yourself. But geez, I've got a positive affirmative prayer. And yeah, as Dr. Holmes said, we're a teaching of wholeness. Carl Jung said, you, without wholeness, you cannot have the full spiritual experience. So you've got to bring all of it with you. So the liar within you, the cheat within you, the one that, that covets thy neighbor's goods and covets thy neighbor's wife or covets thy neighbor's husband, all the things the Ten Commandments lay out for us and all that beyond that. But the darkness that we don't want to own. But when we own it, it doesn't own us. We bring consciousness to it. You know, I mean, there are times when, when during the day, especially when I get tired and all of a sudden these horrific visions go through my head of what I'm going to do to somebody. So the murderer in me comes up. But what happens is, is I don't give it any energy. I go, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, there's the murder in me. I'm not going to go murder anybody. I'm not interested in that. That's a path I'm not going down. But the point is, as I'm using it as an example, those things pop into our heads at times when we're too uh, lonely, too tired, too hungry, too angry, whatever it may be. It's part of the psyche. You know, I mean, here we have this amazing teacher on the planet right now that says everything that comes to mind. No governors at all. And what he's doing is he's modeling the unintegrated shadow. And until we start to get on top of it, in front of it personally, so to stop the war right here. Stop the war right here. Until we get in front of that, we are going to continue at a deep level of consciousness and contributing to war. So peace starts here. The season for nonviolence is a way for us to step in and to challenge ourselves to be more and more of what we truly are. Because the, the, the challenge is, is we live in this animal kingdom and we also have this opportunity to give birth to the spiritual, to the divine. This is this realm. There's no other realm. From the research I've done and a lot of the beautiful people, Dr. Holmes called it the upward and outward spiral. This particular dimension is where we have the duality. We are actually falling asleep the idea that there's something other than God here. This challenge from what I've read and researched from people I respect is in no other realm but here. And so we are at a point in our evolution because we have lived. We don't teach a reincarnation here, but I know my soul has had many incarnations. And it has brought me to this point of evolution to where we can be part of this transformation, this shift, 
we might not make it. I mean, it's up to us. I think we will make it. I'm optimistic. But there's still a lot of, there's still a lot of people out there that are asleep, that don't want to wake up, that don't accept the fact that they actually are spiritual, that there's a possibility they could wake up to something bigger. And so we see them. It's what we are exposed to and, and all that stuff. And so how do we look at that with wisdom and realize, ah, this is a roller coaster. And stuff shows up in our lives that challenges our way of being. You know, what I've found is the more, as I move along, my unhealed stuff keeps jumping in front of me. But now, to have enough spiritual practice in my life and spiritual tools in my life so that it doesn't take me off the rails forever. And that's wisdom, and that's the journey, and it requires energy and time and commitment. Because life's full of betrayal, life's full of heartbreak, life's full of, heart, of uh, disappointment. But that's the triggers that allow us to transform. It's actually the mechanism put in place. And you wouldn't be sitting here if you weren't ready for this awakening. So I want to give you some ideas around building success and also tie in with Dr. Ernest Holmes' philosophy, which we did at the first service. It's such a rich, wonderful experience for me to dive back into the textbook. So building your success strategy, what does that look like? Number one, there's three of them I'm going to show you here today. First is chunk it, not chuck it, okay? Chunk it. What does that mean? Well, you break it down into little pieces. You make it manageable, okay? Big ideas can be intimidating. Remember last week I said, go think big and be specific? Break it down, but even your biggest and most daunting goal can be achieved if you simply break it down into bite-sized chunks. Struggling author Joseph Heller composed his best-selling book, Catch-22, by writing little chunks of it for one or two hours every day before work. Imagine what you could accomplish by applying the same principle to one or more of your biggest goals over the next five years. Remember, the sum total of a lot of little effort isn't little. So chunk it down. Think big and then, and then break it down. You know, I'm a, I've talked to Jeff over here about carpentry because he loves carpentry. I love carpentry. Carpentry's given me everything in my life. I always tell my boys, you got to know how to nail it. Pound a nail, boys. Better be able to put two pieces of wood together. And one of the beautiful things that's happened in this community over the last... We, we have gone through a transformation and we continue with these programs. But one of the beautiful transformations that I am eternally grateful for is I used to be the handyman here. I used to be the, the resident carpenter. Anything got fixed around here, I did it. Not because I wanted you to be proud of me, because I could do it, and you guys were working and busy, you're busy people. And, you know, we had a, a town hall meeting one day, and somebody brought up the mice situation. We've had this horrible mice situation, for, and we're on top of it now, but it's just chronic. And I heard someone mumble, oh, it's an awful expensive uh, mouse catcher. Boy, the, the appreciation just overwhelmed me with that comment. I mean, and, and so I get triggered. It's like, why are you... Then I'll call you next time I see a mouse. That's where I, see, that's where my animal self went, okay? And then I got to go home and do my forgiveness work because I refused to come back in the door with that energy. That's hard sometimes. So the point being is I'm not doing that stuff anymore because there have been a group of people in leadership that have finally consistently stepped up. So all the stuff, the changes you're seeing here, I got nothing to do with for the first time in my entire ministry. I've been at this over 20 years now. And every day I get up and go, I don't have to take care of that anymore. I get to see the text. I go, I don't have to go fix that. I was the, the landlord and, and handyman at the fourplex when we owned it too. Because I thought that was serving the community. I thought that I was, that was part of my gift to give back to the community. I thought that was a wonderful investment. 
So I sat with a group of people and said, let's go buy that community. Let's do it. Six years later, every one of those people that made the decision, gone. If I'd known then that everybody was going to bail when we bought that thing, I wouldn't have bought it. And then I'm left holding the bag. So the animal part in me gets resentful and angry because it's betrayal. Oh, yeah, let's do this. We're on board. Let's go. Let's get her done. And the, and, the, and the divine presence in me says, this is right and perfect. So I get to do my forgiveness work. So I'm just giving you real-life examples, folks, because stuff happens. Stuff shows up. And if you don't have the spiritual capacity to, to build the resilience to understand that people are going to do that, you're done. You're crushed. You're letting those people determine who you are. In other words, your circumstances are determining your destiny, and I refuse to live like that. But I'm just telling you, I get it now. I'm not here to be the handyman, the carpenter anymore. I can do those things. I'm not here to be the murderer. Use that example earlier. But I can certainly do that. But I choose not to, and I choose not to do the carpentry. Unless I have to, I can certainly do it. People are still borrowing tools from me. That's good. This is progression. But the point is we're all capable of those things. But we don't do it. We just incorporate it. So the carpenter's back there. The murderer's back there. The guy that gets pissed off is back there. The, you know, the, the kid that got beat up frequently is back there. They're all in there. But the, the healthy adult is here now. So I can look at it. I don't have to give it. I'm not dragging it with me. It's just part of the baggage back there. But it doesn't determine me. And so we, we break this thing down. So with this journey is breaking down our spiritual journey. What can I get on top of this year? What trigger do I have this year that if I get on top of it, frees my energy to do other things? So the point I was attempting to make before I wandered off into carpentry and murdering people and everything else, <laughs> and thank you for hanging in there with me, is that we get to decide where we're going to put our energy. And so with not having to be the, the, the caretaker, I have more energy to do my job which means I can read more and I'm inspired more and I can bring value to you because I want the best for you. I don't want you to live in misery. I don't want you to keep carrying these old tapes with you. And, and, when you, and you do that, we have grandchildren. I got my two girls right here. Here's Julia and, and, and Audrey right on my cup here. I love you, Grandpa. That's my medicine. And they are my medicine. When, when we're with them, it's spiritual practice because they just pull you out. But what I know is I don't want to be miserable, silently miserable. And I don't want to be Donald Trump with him either. I don't be able to say, you go, girl. You got it. Look at that. Wow. I'm looking at Valdi here. She's got three. I don't, is, this, is it three grandchildren? Three of the most beautiful grandchildren. I did Galen's wedding out at the castle this uh, September. It was awesome. Oh, my God. What a wedding. People dressed up like unicorns and knights and <laughs> witches and warlocks and... Some guy singing songs with a sparkly cowboy hat and wings on his back. It was awesome. It was amazing. I said, you should come and sing at the center. He says, I don't know any happy songs. <laughs> well, learn a couple, you know. It's because you don't know something, does it? But that guy was great. Holy cow. I walked out. I, I walked out as in getting food. And I hear this voice. I said, is that Elton John? Somebody playing Elton John? Is this guy with the cowboy hat, sparkly cowboy hat and the wings on? I'm like, Phew. Awesome, awesome. But your three grandchildren, just lights, lights upon the world. So chunk it. Remember also to think for yourself. Who are they? Who are they that exercise so much po power of our lives? Oh, they won't like that. What will they say? 
I had a lady come to me one time early in this deal, and I sang in this very room, and she came up to me after about six, seven weeks and said, I hate that song, and I hate when you sing it. <laughs> oh, you got to get into ministry, folks. You haven't lived till you've done this. <laughs> come on. There's incentive. Yeah. You talk about projection. Holy moly. And I said, oh, geez, well, maybe I should stop singing it. So I, I took it off one Sunday. And to a person, I said, what happened to the song? What happened to the song? And I thought, well, now I'm hooped. Because I'm going to disappoint somebody. But it great learning for me. And you know what happened? That lady stopped coming. And it's okay. It's okay, guys. It really is. Because something was getting triggered by that song. And I want the best for everybody. But I can't run behind everybody trying to figure it all out. That's not the role. It's to hold the space and see the beauty and the integrity, the love and the brilliance within the individual. Always. Always. And know that they are in the right and perfect place having the right and perfect experience. But unless we're able to slow down and look at the trigger, I mean, it's a song. My God. How do you navigate the world with all that's going on out there like that? And, 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 I'm, and not a criticism, but I'm saying we can, we can go into our animal nature where we feel like we've got to survive. And you, need, you all need to do something so that I can feel good about myself. It doesn't work that way. But that's how most people live their lives. So who are they? They said that Elvis Presley couldn't sing. My dad was, would agree with that to this day. They, they said that James Joyce couldn't write. One of the greatest writers of all time. They said that Michael Jordan couldn't play basketball. So what are they saying about you? I got a little slide here for you. Unchuck it. This comes from Shel Silverstein. It says, listen to the mustn'ts, child. Listen to the don'ts. Listen to the shouldn'ts, the impossibles, the won'ts. Listen to the never-haves, then listen close to me. Anything can happen, child. Anything can be. Beautiful. How many of us got that read to us as kids? If you didn't get it as kids, I'm reading it to you right now. I'm going to read it again. Listen to the mustn'ts, child. Listen to the don'ts. Listen to the shouldn'ts, the impossibles, the won'ts. Listen to the never-haves. Then listen close to me. Anything can happen, child. Anything can be. Either you're living out someone else's dream for you or you're setting your own course. Don't let other people tell you who you are. Form the habit of saying yes to your own ideas. Yes to my own idea. Say yes to possibility. Say yes Talked about it at the first service. Our word has power. What we hear, we forget. What we see, we remember. What we say, we become. Say yes to your ideas. I get up this morning and I say yes to my ideas. I got this beautiful book here by Gene Simmons. You know that great teacher, Gene Simmons? It's called One Power. He's the founder of KISS. He's got that big, long tongue that hangs down to his belly button. Have you ever seen that guy? He writes this. This is an amazing story. I'm just beginning to read it. Gene Simmons on Power. My journey through the corridors of power, and he's got a bag of money on the front, and more power. He says this, here's the truth. And this just comes from practical wisdom. You'll be judged by others, whether you like it or, not, or whether it's fair. Every day, wherever you go, you'll be judged by how you look, how you speak, how you present yourself. It's not socially acceptable to say certain things, except unless you're the President of the United States. And perhaps rightfully so, but privately people are thinking all sorts of things. The law can't control our thoughts, at least not yet. And it's up to you to be the best version of you or not. The best version of you or not. 
You're also free to be who you want to be without making any compromises and the rest of the world be damned. So that's that high-level animal kingdom of competition that he's speaking from. And he also says this, but if you want success, and I wanted success, and his story's amazing. He grew, he was born in Israel. Did you know that Gene Simmons? Born in Israel, Hebrew name, speaks four languages fluently. Brilliant man, brilliant man. I'll tell you a little bit of his story a little bit later. He said, I wanted success. And, then, and if you want success, you have to play by certain rules. For me, that meant playing by their rules, not mine. And that's because they owned the world. And they had the power, and they had the money, and everything else I wanted. In return for making some personal adjustments and rebranding myself, I saw that they would give me everything I wanted. I saw that they would give me everything I wanted, and I thought that was more than a fair deal. When I finally ruled the world, I could make the changes I wanted, but raging against the world when you have no power does not accomplish much. So it's being wise. And, and, and it's understanding there's a lot of things that go on in the world. He goes on in here in many ways, and I'll re- reference it again, but it's really about figuring out how we fit into this. How can we manage this well? So, for example, there's a role, there's a role and a, and a responsibility that I have that the more I can align with, I think that I add more value. And I want at the end of the day to add more value. So there are things that'll happen, as I said, so what I have is I have a very active spiritual practice so I can show up and be in service to that. But if I allow every shiny thing that flies through to influence who I am when I get up here, every hurt that I have to share with you publicly to process, I'm not serving that purpose. I want to give my energy and be most productive and fruitful. E.E. Cummings said, to be nobody but myself in a world which is doing its best night and day to make you everybody else means to fight the hardest battle any human being can fight and never stop fighting. To be you. So, number two, success team. Success team, surround yourself with people who believe in you. Are you surrounding yourself with people who believe in you? That's why we have practitioners here. Take advantage of it. They're not, and, and see, the, the thing with practitioners that you've got to know is that don't try and buddy up with them. They're a practitioner. And so when you, when you cross that line and, and, they, and, and, and you say, hey, can you come and help me do this? Can you help me do that? It gets wobbly. So don't expect a practitioner to be your pal and buddy and buying them lunch. I love my teacher, Catherine Yates. For six years, she taught me. She gave me everything she had. She encouraged me. She was somebody around me that believed in me. She said, you can do this. And I would say to her occasionally, can I buy you lunch? She'd say, nope, we don't do that. And I'm so grateful for that. Because she knew that to cross that line, there was, a, there, was a, there was an integrity in just being the prayer partner, just being the teacher. You know, in the West, we want everybody to be our pal. Let's all hang out together and be pals. My first minister made me his best friend. Oh my God, we're still best friends. I, had to, I, I couldn't do my teaching and training with him. Great, great man, and he needed a best friend. And I fell into that category. But he couldn't take me where I needed to go. Because his unresolved, unintegrated shadow matched mine. So we sat, both sat around and, and, and held hands and looked lovingly into one another's eyes and sang kumbaya. You're perfect, whole and complete. Oh, you are too. 
You are true. You sweet little thing. Oh, you're sweeter than I am. That's all metaphor, okay? But it, it, it can't happen. And so I get that. My teacher, Catherine Yates, we never hung out. We never went to lunch. We never had a dinner together. She was my teacher. She was my teacher, and she understood it. She had such beautiful integrity. Amazing woman. I wish she were still with us. I'd, I'd have her here every year to speak. She transitioned a while back. Beautiful woman. She's here with us in spirit. Thank you, Reverend Catherine. I'm so grateful for you. But she taught me that. But we, in the West, if we, we got to be buddies and pals and hang out. And, and there's a place for that. There's a place for that. And it's important. We all need that in our lives. But understand your role under the situation. What your responsibility is. So list five people who can help you achieve your goal. What five people in your life can help you achieve your goal? Think about it. And benchmark your friends. So five people in your life. Gene Simmons has it in one of the steps here on power. He says, you want to be successful? Get better friends. You're not getting there with the folks you're hanging out with. It doesn't mean you have to get rid of them. But start developing a new core of people that will stretch you and grow you. Get new friends. Oh, that sounds horrible. Doesn't mean you have to get rid of them. But if you want to up-level your game, there are people I've reached out in our movement and said, can you mentor me? I still do it. I still do it. So how do you benchmark your friends? As it says here in the book, surround yourself with people who can believe in you. By all means, share your goals, but only share them with people who can help you attain them. Only share your goals with people who can help you attain them. Because the majority of people will say, you're out of your mind. <sighs> That's not going to happen for you. Remember you? Remember all the failures you've had? Part of life is failure. It just is. Have the full experience of failure and get on with it. Learn from it. Move forward. That's life. It's resilience. We're here to grow resilience, folks. We're here to roll, grow the spiritual competency to move forward and push forward despite. If you had crappy, the worst parents in the world, bless them. They did the best they could and move forward. That was part of your circumstance. You're not, you're not responsible for having lousy parents. You are responsible for your destiny. Gene Simmons was born in Israel. He said they had nothing. Nothing. His mom and dad fell in love right after the, the first, second world war. They lived in this little one-room apartment. The dad abandoned the family. All the mom could speak was Hebrew. That's all they had. They had nothing. They had, they had an outhouse as a bathroom. And they didn't have toilet paper, as he writes in the book. They had rags their mother would cut, uh, cut up in pieces. And they would wash them. And they used the rags for everything. But that was life for them. And he talks about it getting a care package from the United States government in the mail. He said, we had never gotten mail before. Never gotten mail. And, and of course, he had a Hebrew name that I don't have memorized. But he said, we opened this care package, and here was a can of peaches. And he said, I never, I never saw a peach in my entire life. And he said, we didn't have a can opener. My mother took a rock and broke it open on the side. And he said, I, she tipped it over to me to have some of the nectar. And he said, it was the sweetest thing I'd ever tasted in my life. He said, I still remember to this day, the sweetness just, just went right through me. He said, it's probably why I have this, 
this Horatius sweet tooth in my life. But he, he said, and, and he said what it was beautiful is he said, I realized at that point in time there was some stranger out in the world that cared about me. Some stranger out in the world that cared about me. He said there was a Bugs Bunny comic book in the care package. And his mother would read it to him over and over again and she couldn't read English. And he said he couldn't figure out as a kid why the story kept changing every time she read it to him. <laughs> said that when his mother said to him one day, we're going on a trip. Bring your stuff. So he, he took his little bag of stuff with her and they went and they got in line and they're in this line and he said, I looked up and here's this flag and it's got red and white, blue stripes and stars on it. And there was a man up there and, they, and the man said to his mother, you know, do you speak English? And she spoke no English. And finally she was embarrassed because she was born in Germany and she had survived the concentration camps. Everybody in her family that stayed in Europe died except her. She was a young girl put in a concentration camp by the Nazis. Her brothers had immigrated before the war to the United States. And so she had family that she was going to. But so finally they landed on German that they could speak and communicate. And she was embarrassed that, that she knew German because she didn't want people to know she was from Germany. Anyway, um, so the man said to her, you'll have to take an oath. You need to raise your arm for the oath. And the only way she knew how to raise her arm was like this. And the man walked around the counter, put her arm down, put her arm down at her side, and said, you're never going to have to do this ever again. And she took the oath. And so he started with nothing, and he figured out what he needed to do. So he wrote this book about, you know, if your friends aren't getting you there, do they support you and love you to get you to your goals? Here's a guy that came from nothing. They didn't even have a can opener. They didn't have a bathroom. They had no television. He says, benchmark for tests for choosing friends. Will spending time, so ask yourself, will spending time with this person drag me down or lift me up? Will this, this spending time with this person drag me down or lift me up? Will he or she make me want to be a better person? Will he or she make me want to be a better person? A happier person, a more successful person, will he or she help me achieve my most important goals? If not, find some friends who will. You can still have those friends, but find some friends that will. Find friends that will, will, will lift you up. Find friends that will make you want to be a better person, a happier person. And you know the interesting thing is that happens for you. You may transform your whole group of friends. You might. Or they might tell you you're crazy and I've got to go find somebody else to be miserable with again. But whatever it is, it's okay. Benchmark your friends. And the last piece I want to talk to you today a bit about is this amazing you. And it's, it's inspired once again by another piece in there, uh, this book. The amazing you. Do you know how truly amazing you are? So let me just share this couple of, of paragraphs here. There has never been another you, ever. You are one in all history event. You and you, you are beautiful teens up here. You are new to nature, you are one of a kind, therefore no one can really predict what heights you might soar to. Even you will not know until you spread your wings. You may not be able to see your undeveloped potential, but it's there and it's enormous. This is our language. This is possibility. 
the amazing you, your amazing instincts. Since the Ice Age, vast numbers of your ancestors have been smart enough, fast enough, strong enough, and courageous enough to survive several thousand years of famine, plague, predators, and the worst natural disasters. Everyone's sitting here. This is our journey. That epigenetics of the DNA. Here today, you, me. Though you think, may think of yourself as merely average, you are actually the latest in a long line of human success stories. And the hidden strengths you've inherited are no doubt trying their best to emerge. Let them out. The human mind is the fastest working, coolest running, most compact and efficient computer ever produced in large quantities by unskilled labor. Think about it. The brain, the mind that you have, and you can program it any way you want. Any way you want. See, I, 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 want, I want to live in freedom. I want to be able to have the worst stuff come at me and to be able, as Dr. Gary says, have the trigger and the gratitude simultaneous. See, that's enlightenment. Whew, let it blow through you. Wow. That's such a beautiful thing. Such a beautiful thing. Look at him in the eyes. Tell me more. Tell me more. What do you think's triggering that? I wish I'd had this awareness and groundedness when the lady said to me, I hate that song. I just took it personally. Either I was a lousy singer or whatever was going on. You know, I go right into the animal instinct of survival. If I'd been standing in my best self with courage and wisdom and say, well, tell me more about that. What do you think is going on there? Would another song work better for you? Has this always been a challenge for you? Whatever. Do you see what I'm saying? To have the capacity, and then it becomes a moment for transformation. For me to learn and from them to learn. So I don't have to stand there, because I, don't I don't, still don't have the answer. But if I'd done a bit more, if I'd been a little more conscious, I could have asked. So that's your amazing instincts. We, 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 we're, we're on this eternal journey. We have all, this is part of our spiritual DNA and our physical DNA. Your amazing mind, the average human brain weighs about two and a half to three pounds. It is made up of 30 billion cells called neurons. Each neuron is capable of handling approximately one billion bits of information. Think about that, 30 billion cells, 30 billion, and one cell can, approx can approximate one million bits of information. The total number is so large, in fact, that if you sat down and wrote a number, you would have to follow it with 6.5 million zeros. That'd take all day, wouldn't it? A number that would stretch from the earth to the moon and back more than 13 times. That's how, one of the ways to measure the brain. Your amazing body. Your body has approximately 62,000 miles of capillaries, millions of electrical warning signals, railroad and conveyor systems, a fabulous built-in telephone system, and a highly sophisticated audio-video system. You are a fantastic animal. A man can run 100 yards in nine seconds. He can run for hours without stopping. He can leap for almost 30 feet. He can climb a tree. He can swim swiftly and far. The animals made for running may outrun us. The animals made for climbing may outclimb us, but there's no animal in the world that can do all these things as well as we can. Isn't that true? Some can swim. The ones that swim can't climb. And your amazing lifespan. Just 200 years ago, the average American died by age 35. Isn't that something? 200 years ago, 35, you were an old guy. Dave, look at that. You're what do you do? 90. You're 105 now. That's awesome. Three times. Beautiful. Look how good Dave looks. He is a keeper. 
Today, we've more than doubled that number. Your chances of a longer, healthier life will continue to increase well into this century. What are you going to do with your longer, healthier life is an answer only you can give. What a gift that we have to have the space and time. So let's use our energy wisely, productively. Let's be an outlet for the divine presence. Dr. Holmes said this divine presence, we're immersed in it, and it is immersed in us, and it is always seeking an outlet. And our receptivity, as our receptivity shifts, our relationship with it shifts. So what new ideas? We're doing our, our white stone ceremony next week. I want to just share, I'll finish with this today. It's a beautiful story of a man that uh, is making his transition that I think is very profound. An elderly man in his final days of his life is lying in a bed alone. He awakens to see a large group of people clustered around his bed. Their faces are loving, but sad, confused. The old man smiles weakly and whispered, you must be my childhood friends have come to say goodbye. I am so grateful. Moving closer, the tallest figure gently clasps the old man's hand and he replies, yes, we are your best and oldest friends. But long ago, you abandoned us. For we are the unfulfilled promises of your youth. We are the unrealized hopes, dreams, and plans that you once felt deeply in your heart, but never pursued. We are the unique talents that you never refined, the special gifts that you never discovered. Old friend, we have not come to comfort you, but to die with you. Isn't that a great story? What untapped potential have we ignored or abandoned? And work with the question. Because the information Dr. Holmes said, what I don't know, something within me does know. And it does. What have we abandoned? What opportunity, what gift, what talent? And, and see, the infinite presence doesn't judge us or punish us. That loss is your loss, my loss, all of our loss. And so all I'm saying is here we are a tradition of freedom, of possibility, of opportunity, of more than enough. What does it feel like when you have your life in more than enough? And unless we bring awareness, unless we expand the capacity to do our own transformational work within ourselves, to look at these beautiful triggers that come along and have practices in our life, every time we get triggered to dive into the practice so we can come back fresh and open and renewed and more available to this presence of spirit. That's what the great artists, Dr. Holmes writes about in this chapter we did at the earlier service, all the great artists, all the great talent, all the great composers, all of the greats have tapped into that, that repository of genius and filtered it in their own unique way. Isn't it remarkable that people keep writing songs? I mean, haven't all the songs been written already? And then you go down and all of a sudden you hear another one and you go, oh my God, that's great, I love that. Isn't that amazing? It is endless. It stretches to eternity, as Dr. Holmes wrote. It's such a beautiful, powerful, timely book and tradition. So you are amazing. Your amazing instincts, your mind, your body, your lifespan. What will you do with it? What will you do with this one precious life? And that's, that's a beautiful question to linger in and to ask yourself. But we are truly here. We are truly here to be agents of transformation, individually and collectively. I want to just share from Robert Johnson's last page of his book on owning your shadow. He said, to balance our cultural indoctrination, we need to do our shadow work on a daily basis, every day, 
shadow work, daily basis. He said, the first reward for this is that we diminish the shadow we impose on others. So we stop projecting. We catch ourselves and go, wow, there's, that's alive in me. Isn't that interesting? Which changes all of our relationships because we don't need people then, we don't need, have to keep people close to keep, keep um, validating our projection. We contribute less to the general darkness of the world and do not add to the collective shadow that fuels wars and strife. But the second result is that we prepare the way for the high vision of beauty and wholeness that is the great prize of human consciousness. Beauty and wholeness. This is a psychologist writing pretty much what Dr. Ernest Holmes wrote in the Science of Mind textbook. We are here for beauty and love and joy, celebration, goodness. Goodness, goodness, goodness. I think one of the things that Holmes could have done a better job with is this integration. But the time he came along, what he was teaching about goodness and always reaching for the goodness was, it was just so powerful and uplifting for people. And so we get to look at it and realize maybe we've, we've embodied enough of the goodness so that now we can make room for the things that, that don't feel so good and to understand them from a consciousness of mastery and awareness and realize, oh yeah, that's part of me and that's part of me. And that's why I want to share with you some of my journey, some of my story. Those things are going to happen. But those are circumstances. They're not my destiny. And I celebrate you. You are amazing, amazing, amazing. All of the things that we pointed to today. This is your opportunity to, to utilize the things, the gifts, the talents, those instincts that you know and the possibilities for opportunity to be a generative, creative, powerful, empowered beacon of light upon this planet. That's why you're here. That's why I'm here. So let's continue when the roller coaster goes down and we, and we go off the rails a little bit and we go into our animal nature. Just love yourself. Oh my gosh, I forgot who I am. Look at that. And bring yourself back to the grace, whatever brings you there. You know, I got my cup with my girls on it. That's my medicine. I carry with me every day now. Since my mom died, I grabbed a rosary off of her coffin when we were burying her. She's a devout Catholic. You know, uh, Jim Carrey said that, that uh, he wrote that check to himself for $10 million, and he prayed to the Blessed Virgin. He said, you give me $10 million, you provide me with $10 million, I'll do something for you. And they said, well, what did you do for her? And he said, I said the rosary. Holy cow. I went out and bought a rosary that afternoon. It doesn't matter what the mechanism is. The rosary for me is my mom. It's her energy, her gift she gave me spiritually. I put a rosary. She'd never let us go out the door without a rosary. Everywhere we went, you know, you dig and change out, and you got your rosary, and you're trying to find quarters around the rosary. But I just, I love this. My little daughter, uh, granddaughter, Audrey, she thinks they're necklaces. So when she comes over, she puts a necklace on and walks around. It's just beautiful. But the point is, and why I tell you this, is you've got to have things that, that bring you back. Because otherwise we forget. We get lost. It's easy to get lost. Forgive yourself for getting lost. Just bring yourself back to that spiritual self. Give birth to it. It's such a beautiful thing, such a beautiful opportunity. And each time you do it, we are all gifted. And we are all loved. So keep loving yourself. Start there. Blessings, so it is. See you next week. Yeah, thank you. Next week is how to use it, first service, and life is now, second service. See you then.